This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. Straight ahead, the unparalleled debate prenalysis here on the Blaze Radio Network. Excelsior. Welcome back, my radio family. It is it is Mardi Gras. It is Fat Tuesday. We're going to make it fat from a broadcast standpoint anyway. I guess it would be more appropriate if the Democrats were debating tonight. That certainly then it would be Fat Tuesday. But, you know, the Democrats only debate on weekends. You remember? I announced this a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> like the four remaining Democrat debates before the primaries began, are all on Saturday night. And the last one is on a Sunday night during an NFL playoff game. Man, that's the way to maximize exposure. Then again, if you've got Hillary Clinton, well, but, see what I did there? Uh, involved, then you got exposure. All right. Debate pre-analysis, my two favorite shows of the year. The show before the debate and the show, two shows really, because we can never fit it all in, but the show immediately following the debate. But, see what I did there? But, really big but, before we do that, And seriously, this morning I was listening, and this is not particularly early at all, of course. This morning I was listening to the tail end of my BBC listening. And they announced, it's funny, you know, you're, 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 you're in that twilight zone and you're, just about 50-50 awake and asleep. And it's funny how certain code words, uh, someday I'm going to be, just for self-indulgence, I'm going to be fascinated by talking to uh, a a brain physiologist and finding out whether I have one. No, and asking whether my listening to the radio at night affects my dreaming or my sleep. I have a theory. I think I suffer from chronic, I think I suffer from the ancillary uh, maladies of chronic sleep deprivation. Why? 
well, not because I'm not in bed for the right number of hours or I don't feel I've slept for the right number of hours, though generally I don't feel like I've slept for the right number of hours. I am tired a lot, um, whereas I didn't didn't used to be. But <clears throat> I do have that bud in my ear, which is, you know, it's, it's audible, just aud- barely audible. And ever since I've been doing that, we have to go back now five six years I've been doing that at least and during the last five or six years my dreams I must admit disproportionately include scenarios wherein I am engaged in strategic talks with the premier of North Korea or something and I don't know where those come from if I had a doctor tell me look don't put that thing in your ear You'll you'll have better, more erotic dreams. <clears throat> they may still involve North Koreans, but but not the premier. And you know maybe you'll sleep better. So I wonder if it disrupts my sleep. Anyway, as I'm right at that you know fugue state of sleeping slash waking, there must be certain code words that jolt one more toward consciousness, right? So I, I, I'm listening in that state, state of Massachusetts, and I, maybe, maybe not. It's because I, I heard this, but I heard something like, in the United States, all schools in Los Angeles are closed due to terror threat. Well, in whatever particular state I was in, that got my attention. And there was no question one second after that whether I was more sleepful or wakeful. All schools in Los Angeles, the second biggest in America, one of the biggest in the world, closed very suddenly. The kids had already left for school, most of them. The school day, in terms of preparation for families and all, that had well begun and was almost over. Because they didn't make the call out in Los Angeles until, I think, after 6 their time, 6 a.m. So, as by now you know, all the schools in Los Angeles were closed today by the school superintendent, who, having received... A, I believe it's Twitter, but having having received a social media threat to the schools, closed them all. The stories even now, and I have one very dear friend uh, who is uh, a famous media guy, still in the business, uh, whose name you'd know. I've referred to him that way before. Network guy uh, uh, out in L.A. and... I spoke with him and he said that the the personal stories, even by 10 o'clock this morning, Los Angeles time, were epic, were legion. People scrambling, driving the wrong way down the freeway, people driving off the freeway, people driving across people's lawns and backyards, trying to get to back to a side road to get back to their kids because 
they didn't know what was going on, and they weren't going to believe whatever they heard on the radio. And they're scrambling on the car radio dials, crying, screaming, trying to get back to their kids at school because they've already dropped them. It happened at the perfectly worst time. The timing of the terrorist, if that's what he or she be, was perfect. I have a feeling they just, quote unquote, got lucky. But in terms of the grossest inconvenience and fright to the parents of Los Angeles school kids from nursery school through high school couldn't have been worse psychologically, logistically, you know, physically. It just it disrupted everybody. It was it was it was horrific. It was it had a happy ending. Only if one considers the alternative. But it was awful for those people. Now, as we learned through the morning, New York City schools, which are open today, were never going to close, even though they got the same message, the identical message, as it turns out, as I understand it. If you know more, tell me. one 888 one Nine hundred three three nine three. I can give that to you in. Uh, <clears throat> I am, as of today, qualified to give that to you in ISIS. Yeah, I can. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. You ready for it, in ISIS? Boom! Tinkle, tinkle, tinkle. You like it? Okay. Uh, The schools in New York received the identical threat. They're open. What's more, and this is unusual. Can we leave it at that? Maybe not. Maybe you have your own adjective for it. I thought it was strikingly unusual. The bosses of cities don't criticize bosses of other cities. It's a professional, it's what they call professional courtesy, right? New York City received the same threat as L.A. L.A. closed their schools. New York did not. And New York said, you closed your schools because of this? This is a phony message. And L.A. said, well, how do you know it's phony? And New York said, well... You know, we'll talk about that. We have various reasons we think it's a fraud. But one reason we think it's a fraud is that the message sender, the terrorist, spelled the name Allah with a lowercase a. Uh, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I'm not in that business. But I would think that would suggest something. I'll tell you one thing it suggests. Knowing both places as I do, but mostly having grown up as a New Yorker, it shows us a lot of things. But one thing it for sure shows us is the difference between, I don't know, the mindset of people who live in Los Angeles and the mindset 
of people who are New Yorkers. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. Jay Show. And partners on the Blaze Radio Network, it's D-Day, Debate Day, Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday. Here we go. one 888 Back to the terror threat, quote-unquote, on the coastal school systems this morning. I can't really figure it out. I can't figure it out. <laughs> Period. I because it's not like Los Angeles moms are that different than New York moms. You know, see, that would be the key. Yeah, I was that's how where my thinking was going first, because I'm thinking the, the difference between New Yorkers and people from L.A. Is that. In L.A., they're rushing back to the schools to get their kids in New York. The mother is saying, oh, really, do you have to cancel schools today? Because I have a. My spin class is at 7.45, and then I have a facial at 9, and, and, then, I, and then I have my colonic at 9.45, and then uh, my personal shopper meets me at uh, Henri Bendel for an hour and a half, and then uh, we're lunching uh, uh, at Nello's on Madison Avenue at noon, and then I have my first psychiatrist, then my psychologist, then my physiotherapist, then my Freudian acupuncturist, and I, let me try that again, acupuncturist, thank you. Uh, I need acupuncture in my gums, apparently. And I, and, and, but you know what? The LA mothers would be saying the same thing, so I can't get a joke out of that. Uh, I guess maybe the moral of the story is there ain't a joke out of this. It isn't funny. And I hate saying that, but it, it isn't. And look what they can do to us. It's like the line, that wonderful actor, I think his name is Paul somebody, he first showed up in, I think, the Bourne Legacy. I think the second Bourne movie, where he chases Matt Damon in the field. Matt Damon shoots him with the uh, bird shooting gun, with the shotgun, with, with bird shot twice. And the guy sits up and he goes, look, look what they ask of us. Look what they make us give and he stops breathing. And I, I feel like, look, it reminds me of that line. Look what they make us do. Look, what the, look, look at the state of mind. We're Americans. We're Americans. Look at what they make us do. Look at how they make us dance like monkeys on the end of a string. It's not, it's not right, and it's not us, but they can do it now. 
Now, the only thing I'll say with a, a very rare burst of uh, uh, chauvinism in favor of my native New York is that it is true that people are different. And it is true that you get different levels of talent in different businesses. And you want you want advice, winning advice, money making advice on a script or movies or talent for the movies or how to make a movie or where to make a movie. You call my agent, George Tobia, at Burns and Levinson in Boston. That's a true story. The biggest player in Hollywood who doesn't live in Hollywood lives right here in Boston. It's a great story. Someone should tell it again. The New York Times already has in a Sunday feature. That's how we met. But, no, you want movie advice other than if George can't see you? Go to Hollywood. But when a threat comes in, and it's apparently rife with misspellings, including the name of their God, and it is, and this is all they'll say, that it was extremely pedestrian writing. Who else is going to notice that? In New York, in the first two minutes, somebody, yes, who went to an Ivy League school, someone like Buck Sexton is going to walk into the boss's office and say, hey, boss, this doesn't look right. I mean, it sounds like it's got all the stuff in it, all the threatening stuff it's supposed to have, but... An idiot wrote this, and and based on our profile, these people are not Rhodes Scholars, but neither are they total fools. This was written by a fool. I think it's something we ought to keep in mind. And that's something they notice in New York that they wouldn't notice in L.A. unless Bill Bratton and uh, my boy Miller were still out there in uh, in L.A. But other than that, I can't tell you anything except it uh, it it it. it Upsets me and it worries me. And look at what they can have us do. Because here's my question for you. Depending on whichever judgment, and I'd like to know if you if you have a word on this, and it depends on whether you're a parent, doesn't mean it's going to determine your opinion, but it's going to influence it heavily. Do you think who made the right who made the right call? New York? by essentially being New Yorkers and going, meh, you know, I eat this stuff for breakfast. Send me more of these. Bill Bratton took the note and the email printed it out or the twit, whatever it was, and ripped it up and put it on his cornflakes and poured a bottle of beer on it and ate him and said, send me more threats. Or, Or did Los Angeles make the right decision, which is, What do I say to myself and you tomorrow if a school blows up or five schools blow up? I'm no kidding. You know, who made the right decision? I don't know. I don't know. Do you? I don't know. But I know this. I know that we're probably split down the middle. This, the most intelligent audience in radio, is split across America, down the middle, 
pretty much, is my guess. And it all depends on your saying to yourself, okay, I have a kid or more, and those kids were in school in Los Angeles this morning. They canceled school because of a bomb threat. Did the superintendent do the right thing? And you're in New York, same conditions. Did the superintendent do the right thing? Well, whether it's geography or philosophy that makes you reach your decision, the fact is, look at what they can make us do. Look at what some fool with a cell phone can make us do sitting in a basement in St. Louis uh, or in uh, Hamburg, Germany. Uh, Look at what they can make us do. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jay Severin Show. These are my partners on the Blaze Radio Network, one 888 Let's go. Put up or shut up. Let's go. Who do you think is going to prevail tonight? But that's, I apologize for the question. I withdraw and rephrase. What do you think is going to happen tonight? No one knows who's going to win. Even tomorrow, we won't know who won. Well, some of us will. But we don't really know who wins that night. It's never that obvious. The reason that we do pre-analysis better than anyone, the reason we get our our analysis is better than anyone's, is because we do pre-analysis better than anyone. It's because we talk about in advance, we discuss what people must do in order to succeed. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yes, blaze after dark. Oh, behave. Oh, behave, baby. Blaze after dark tonight. Two editions immediately following the conclusion of both debates. The junior G-man debate. I don't know what time it finishes. And the uh, big boy pants debate, I don't know what time that finishes. I'll tell you what, though, there are too many big boys and too many pants on that stage. There's something, tonight, the, the, the guys at uh, 538 have uh, written a very, very funny and very instructive commentary on what they're calling the Republican dropout bowl, which is tonight, and I've retweeted it for you. Read it. It's very funny and it's very good. And Nate Silver is, uh, I'm going to choke saying this, not choke up, just choke. But Nate Silver is a bit of a, is something of a genius. And <clears throat> I think he's run exactly zero campaigns. And so from coming as someone who could be his father and has run a hundred campaigns, it uh, does cause me to gag a little bit to have to make that admission. Um, But then again, he doesn't have to do it live every day nationwide, does he? That's to put Junior in his place. But no, Nate Nate Silver's a genius. And uh, this 538 crew, very, very good. uh, Prescient, funny stuff. So it's up there. I've I've, uh, retweeted it for you. But that's what we want to know. 
one 3393 Put up or shut up. You want to sit back? Let other you want the you want the regulars here. You want to sit back and let uh, Jay in Denver and uh, Rocky and Maya and uh, Joshua and um, I mean who else did I mention uh, and uh, Craig and uh, Jacob uh, Frankie huh you want to let them do the work like usual or you. You want to call one 3393 The question on the table, but that's up to you. My question on the table for laughs is, who needs to do what this evening? And, or, what are we expecting to see this evening? I don't mind going first. I have a checklist here from a month ago. Or more. I have the checklist right here from the first debate. I save my show notes. I file them. I figure someday uh, Harvard will want them. Because maybe they'll run out of, you know, paper towels. Uh, What do we expect to see tonight? Well, we expect to see the imprint of terror, of terrorism of Americans' anxiety about us as targets because 80% of Americans who vote, 80% of Americans who vote, expect that we will be the targets of terrorism presently. And they think it likely, not plausible, likely that we will be the targets of terrorism presently. They also believe, the same 80%, 65% of them believe that Barack Obama harbors absolutely no plan to do anything about this. Juxtapose those figures and you come up with interesting arithmetic politically. Tonight's debate is, is almost certainly going to have the stamp of national defense on it. Now, for, and I'll get back to him, but that means for someone like Rand Paul, for instance, this could be Death Valley. This could be it. This could be the cartoons of a guy. This could be Rand Paul in the desert with his tattered clothing, trying to crawl his last crawl over the sand dunes, saying, "Uh, Chateaubriand 38, Chateaubriand 38, uh, uh, and then just beyond the next sand dune was like a club med. I mean, I don't know, but you're talking about, this is a guy that launched his entire career here based on he was going to be half a pacifist like his dad. And the guy who's gotten the rawest deal, I don't mean unfair, I just mean a raw deal, it happens is that you launch yourself as the no more wars guy, and then all of a sudden war happens. So, I mean, wars everywhere. You know, it's like you're like the no more acne candidate, and all of a sudden uh, you show up at the high school the next day and your face is broken out. You look like a NASA uh, NASA photograph of Mars or the, the, the goalie for a dart team. You know, I mean, 
These things happen. So, I mean, I, I think RuPaul is fighting for his life tonight. And that's where I, if I may, return to the Republican dropout bowl. Nate Silver's cruel, uh, crew. Uh, cruel. It's a good Freudian uh, water bra there, or half slip. Uh, because it, it does apply. Tonight is it. Tonight's the Fort Apache. Tonight's the last chance saloon for a lot of these guys. The stage is too crowded to begin with. I tell you right now, I am offended that I have to sit through two debates. And I love this stuff. Who loves this stuff more than we do? But somehow I'm still resentful of having to sit through two debates. Can't I just do two shows instead? I love the shows. I hate the debates. I mean, let's face it. What are any of the people in the first debate tonight? I mean, chronologically, the first debate. What are any of those people doing up on a stage tonight? Other than trying to secure higher speaking fees or tenure somewhere or a a TV talk show at MSNBC. What the hell are they doing up on a stage? Anybody in the first debate. Now that as I explained yesterday, you know the rules have been changed. Did you hear this yesterday? CNN has exactly the complexity of motive tonight as a young man has when he takes a young woman he finds attractive on a date. Okay, let's just backtrack for a second. How complex are the motives of a young man who takes a young woman on a date whom he finds attractive? Not very darn complex, are they? I would say the motives are singular. Okay, CNN, any other network, carrying the debate. Their motives are different, but the same in that they are single-minded. All they want is for you to arrive, love the product, and stay. Not overnight, but but stay long enough. And CNN is doing whatever they can do. And this entire thing is broken down. There were supposed to be rules for these debates that would be universal. And therefore, everyone would get the same shake, fair or otherwise, right? And that's how this thing would break out. And instead, every network essentially adopting the attitude, well, screw you. What are you going to do to me? What is there like? Are the state police waiting outside with a warrant? What were you going to do to me if I change the rules? And the answer is nothing. The answer is your response to a security guard that isn't bonded and carries no firearm. Stop, stop, or I'll do nothing. You know, okay? So CNN's changed the rules, and the rules, CNN figures the best way to get you to have another drink and to come up to their room is to, uh, i.e., maximize audience for the maximum amount of time, is to have the people on the big boy stage that they're putting on the big boy stage. And they they will conjure any rationale necessary, just like in the date scenario. They will conjure any necessary rationale to to get you there. And so their rule is anybody with, what is it, 2%? 
in 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 and they picked uh not particular polls they said anybody who's polling at 2% or has recently polled at at least 2% in in the first four primary states wow that's like uh that's really tough that's like trying to get into Marist college that's a tough get I mean, that's like trying to get into Monmouth University. You know, that just doesn't come automatically. <laughs> anyway, uh, so who who polls at at least 2%? Everybody. The question to me is, how did they keep people out? Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. And partners on the Blaze Radio Network, one 3393 What do you think we can expect to see this evening? And, bonus toss-up question, as a follow-up, to what effect? Jason, D.C., uh, a, uh, a an officer in this Corps, welcome back. Hey, man, how you doing? What's up? I'm, um, I'm mentally preparing myself for the vast majority of Republican candidates to fall over themselves, somehow believing that if we increase the level of police state, that we somehow will be able to maintain some type of security when in reality it's just a, a fallacy. I, I, I agree with at least the first part because they, they believe the people to whom they're speaking are simple and that the therefore are going to boil down you know they're going to distill a very simple message and it 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 ought not it'll be beaten out of them by their advisors that it ought to have any nuance you know and so it'll just be you know bomb them no bomb the snot out of them next guy no bomb the living snot out of them so i think it will i i think you're right i think it will be a a display of 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 national defense macho uh, may, I don't know, and maybe that's not wrong. I don't know, but I agree that that's what we'll see. It's the um, again, it's the entire idea that these people on the stage, if you ask them, would you sign the Patriot Act again, they would probably all do it. And the Patriot Act again, another example of the government using 1984 Newspeak, should have been called suspend the Constitution indefinitely act because so many of what people talk about, I have no problem with the government using surveillances if there's a warrant. These are constitutional protections. And the idea – now, look, if it's an immigrant coming in from another country, you don't have these protections. But the idea that we are turning the U.S. into a police state and somehow thinking we're going to be safe, remember – People in jail behind bars can get drugs and can be murdered. Uh, So no matter what you think that you're going to be able to do, the chance of something going wrong is always going to be there. But statistically, whatever you do, the odds of really having something happening to you are so, so small. 
Jason, let me ask you something, and I ask in, in all uh, in all earnestness, because uh, I respect so much your opinion. <clears throat> the biggest problem in that regard, in that category, that Ted Cruz has going for him is the scab at which Rubio has picked, 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 uh, because I don't know if it's the biggest scab or the only scab that they could locate about Cruz in this category. But the whole notion that Cruz cast a vote in the Senate against NSA data collection. I expect we're going to hear about that tonight, right? Well, again, it's what happens is the failures of the government when they get caught with their failures. Now, remember, the very first World Trade Center bombing, the very first one, the FBI knew about. And what happened was the informant that was giving the information was smart enough to make hours worth of recordings. <laughs> that was in the New York Times that they, they did a piece on it. So the American mm-hmm. public is constantly being thought that if we have more surveillance, more surveillance, the reason we failed was because there wasn't enough surveillance. There right. already right. is enough surveillance. Me- meanwhile, we have 50 billion hours of surveillance that no one's read. It would, and it would take twice the Absolutely. employees we now have reading at a rate of 20 hours a day for the next 50 years to read 10% of it. Absolutely. All right, Jason, I'm sorry I have to hop, but um, Jason brings up a good point. I think this is the thing that you'll see Ted Cruz fending off tonight, among everything else. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. So what will happen tonight? Kayla tweeted me a moment ago and said, so what do you think is Ted Cruz's weak point? And we could ask this of any candidate. And my answer is the same for everyone uh, who's in this position. My answer to Kay vis-a-vis Trump, I'm sorry, vis-a-vis Cruz is, And this is true of anyone in this position tonight, but no one else will be in this position, I believe, like Ted Cruz. And that is, you cannot score points when you are playing defense. And I believe Ted Cruz tonight had better be wearing Kevlar everything. Excelsior! Welcome back, welcome back, and again, welcome back to the Blaze Radio Network. I'm Jay Severin. Thank you, partners. one 888 I direct your attention to the top-hatted, red-coated man in the Jodfers in the center ring. That would be me, your master debater, here to guide you through this evening's, this evening's, Uh, a civics circus maximus and here it is the fifth the final debate of this calendar year 
headed into the holiday period during which everyone is. Uh, pardon me. Could someone do me a favor and close this door down here? Thank you. Uh, the uh, the uh, Forgive me for that. Uh, thank you. Uh, the fifth and final debate of the year, but most importantly, thank you, honey. Uh, the the, uh, the last one that will occur before everyone heads home to make their final decisions about, well, not final, but make their you know, current assessments of everyone. And it is, I don't know, uh, it's, a, it's a belief of mine based on impressions, experience, instinct, that whenever you have one person more than one person, whenever you have more than one person on the stage that needs to take out the same other person, the debates are usually colorful. And by colorful, I mean ugly, ugly, ugly. And all you can hope for is ugly because ugly is beautiful when it comes to uh, television, right? And I think, even though it's my guy, even though uh, it's Ted Cruz, I think Ted Cruz had better have Kevlar shorts on tonight. Uh, he better have Kevlar everything on tonight because I think he is wearing a sign that says, kick me hard. So I'm asking you, what do you expect to see happen tonight? And to what effect? one 888 Ron from Maas. Welcome. My good Ron. friend's part of us. Oh, we have a bad problem here. No, we don't. Connection. Can, there? can you hear me? No, no good. Uh, Ron, stay there. We'll try to engineer our way out of this. Lana Lang from Luscious, Colorado. Welcome back. Hi. Uh, you challenged me earlier. How I so? wasn't on your I wasn't on your list. Of oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was just. <laughs> there is no. It was ungentlemanly of me. I apologize I unreservedly. To, I I just had to. I had to razz you about that. I mean, you know. No, there is no excuse. Uh, I, all, uh, no matter what I say, there is no excuse. So uh, there is uh, no, no excuse. Was, I apologize unreservedly. No, no. Um, two things I would like to see happen tonight. I would like to see, because I, although I support Cruz, I recognize Trump might well be the, the uh, nominee. I would like to see Trump come up with some how I'm going to do this, point by point. Whenever, and I've seen him do this especially, <laughs> how are you going to do this? And whenever he, he'll start <laughs> to give how, and then he'll go off on why it has to be done right. and go appeal to the emotions. He'll tell you it's going ever, to be the hugest, the best. Yes, the best, and he is so much better at it, but he won't ever point right. by point, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this other thing. The other thing Lana, I would like to see. I wish to wait before you move on. And I, just to be fair, if we can trade uh-huh. holiday wishes, I oh, wish yes. to Merry say Christmas. Merry Christmas, my dear. I wish to hear and maybe see Santa Claus landing with the reindeer and traipsing gently across our roof, lowering his avoir du pas down the chimney (laughs) and setting out gifts at the base of the tree, especially for my family. 
And then I want to watch him slither his way back up. And I want to hear the slight crack of the whip in the crisp winter night as he flies off to the next house. I really very much want to hear that. And Lana, I would assess our chances <laughs> of... <laughs> would, and that's likely. <laughs> as, of this, as of this moment, I think Las Vegas has the odds of of my seeing and hearing that and your hearing Donald Trump tonight give the reasons how he's going to do anything at exactly the same odds. <laughs> <laughs> and the other that's good i can I can hear the little tiny jingle of bells as you speak um, the um other thing I would like to hear Ted Cruz do a lot of is in defense of his um uh, not renewing the Patriot Act, pointing out to people that what the government can do to terrorists today they can do for you tomorrow and there was a memo that went out in what was it two thousand and ten where they listed all the extremist, potentially violent extremist groups, and they had things like, you know, if you were NRA members, if you were conservative Christians, I forgot all the people, the groups listed, but that memo needs to be brought out of uh, storage. And Ted Cruz needs to wave that at the American people again and again and again. (laughs) To uh, well, respond to those who criticize him for uh, not renewing the Patriot Act. Well, I, I agree with you to be consistent uh, when I say that I think RuPaul has had and now faces a tougher and tougher row to hoe. I think the same must be said of Ted Cruz with particular respect to the immediate moment and our not inappropriate attention uh, toward terrorism and the fact that he did make certain votes like, you know, the NSA bulk collection vote. It is going to be, it's not like he won't be asked and it's going to be Ted Cruz's moment. Here he is. He's trained all, and this may not be the last time. It may not be the fulcrum time, but it could be that t- tonight could be the moment, the make or break moment when Ted Cruz of Princeton of Harvard Law School, uh, of the Princeton debate team, of the national debate champion, and Harvard Law litigator, this may be the biggest moment where he has to take a point which is essentially unpopular and spin it, present it, in a manner such that it is, uh, that we can get it down. You know, that it becomes... Uh, uh, palatable to us uh, because right now we're pretty much in a in a not a war what used to be called a war fervor you know now we're in a, a terror fervor and and so uh, that is a weakness for him and it combines with the logistical fact that he is going to be the target of more darts tonight I think than anyone because I think mm-hmm. if Trump is wise he'll lay off Cruz I think Trump ought to lay off. In fact, I think Trump ought to lay off everybody tonight. I think Trump's best bet at this moment is to try and be as statesmanlike as he has ever been. I hmm. just, I would absolutely give him Can that advice. That? I know it plays against type. It may disappoint some people on either side. But I would say to Trump, go in there tonight and channel Henry Kissinger. I mean, just go in there and be 
as as just don't be pugnacious. Just go in there and let the other people tear each other apart. Meanwhile, you know, Marco Rubio has to destroy Ted Cruz to have any hope of continuing in this thing. He has to do something, not destroy him, but but Marco has to do something to stop Ted Cruz's meteoric, and it has been meteoric. Do you know in Iowa they checked the last five presidential cycles to compare Rubio's rise in Iowa against anyone in the last five elections? That's you know it goes back twenty years, and they couldn't find anything then or before that matched it. Now, of course, as we know, Lana, you mean, you it mean doesn't Cruz's matter. Rise. It only matters you how you finish, okay. and there's plenty of time for five different people to take up the mantle of first place in Iowa. Now, whatever importance Iowa may end up having, you know, we ought to put that in perspective. But since Iowa is first and people do get a lift out of Iowa, of course, no one since your great-grandmother has won the Iowa caucus and gone on to do anything. So it's not like (laughs) Iowa is the be-all and end-all. But, you know, for now, let's pretend it matters a lot. Okay, if we it, pretend it, it matters a lot, it will pretend it matters a lot, and we'll and and I think that makes it more exciting. So let, let's pretend it matters a whole lot, and I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but it just doesn't matter as much as the the media is pressing it because that's the fish they have to sell today. So uh, we'll pretend it matters a lot, and we look at Iowa, and even though Cruz has had a surge unmatched in modern political history, contemporary American history in Iowa. One of the things I know is that when the Des Moines Register, probably the best pollsters, I don't know that this is true anywhere else in America, in any state, but the Des Moines Register may do the best polling in the state of Iowa. And it's never true that, that a public concern ever does good polling. But the Des Moines Register is probably the best po- state pollster in its state in the country. And one of the other things that you discover when you go back cycles and cycles and cycles with the Des Moines Register is that they start polling their last poll. They start polling, I think, five, four, four or five days out, Lana. Mm -hmm. And the results of the first night, I mean, they have to roll them. They don't report them tonight, tomorrow night, next night. They have to do a rolling average. So they keep to themselves what each night's results are, and they bundle them and then report them on, I don't know, Sunday night probably in the Sunday paper before the Tuesday election. And one of the things they will tell you is, well, they don't talk about this much out loud, but if you you know people there, they will tell you that that consistently, and this is a very American fact, I think it's fascinating, that the Des Moines Register, when they start their polling four nights out, when they finish their polling four nights later, they generally have a different leader than on the first night. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. So in in Iowa, again, asterisk, to the degree it matters in the general scheme of things, the thing about Iowa is uh, that if we're going to focus on Iowa, is that you can't peak too late. But you could certainly peak too soon. And again, it's an astounding fact. When the Des Moines Register, the definitive poll, 
that I'm sure is released and printed on the, in the Sunday paper prior to Election Day, when they start polling four days out, they historically have a different leader on night one than they have on night four. That shows you how dynamic this is. Got to run. Call back. Love you. This is Jay Severin, Severin. on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, partners. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. It's debate night, Mardi Gras debate day, debate night. Master debaters, get ready. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. So, what do they need to do? Ted Cruz needs to get out of there alive. Maybe maybe it's best I put it this way. What would I what would I advise? I'll ask you. What would you advise? There are various ways to ask this. I could say, what do you think will happen tonight? What do you expect to see? Another way is to ask, what would you advise? One or more of the candidates were you advising them? Maybe that's better. I think we've used that in in the previous debates. Were I advising Trump? Uh, I've just said this, I would tell him to be on his best behavior. As many of his folk that may be slightly disappointed that he's not a firebrand this evening, better to play the diplomat, again, relatively speaking, right? That means he only walks over to the podium and punches two other debaters in the jaw, right? instead of five. So better to play the relative diplomat tonight and get out of this without becoming anybody's target. Best for him to lay low tonight. He's had his problems recently. And and I happen to believe that 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 his having criticized Cruz, not that he criticized him, but why he criticized him was, as I said yesterday or the day before, a problem for for Trump. Trump attacked Cruz for acting like a maniac in the Senate and defined that as, well, you know, he doesn't get along with other senators. and You know, you have to be able to get along with the other side and get them to do the things you want to do. Wait a second. Oh, hold up here. Isn't, Isn't that exactly why... We hate the rhinos? Isn't that we? Well, we don't hate here, but isn't that why we despise uh, rhinos and progressives? Isn't that the credential? What is the all of a sudden? Lindsey Graham, John McCain? Isn't this, is, isn't this why we so dislike the rhinos that have given up their principles and say, well, I'll reach across the aisle? But Chris Christie... He, I wouldn't vote for him. I would vote for Hillary Clinton before I would vote for Chris Christie because the first thing out of his fat mouth on the first week of his campaign was, well, 
I, I'm going to go out there and show voters that I'll work with Democrats. If they've got a good idea, I'll work with them. I'll, I'll reach across the aisle. Reach? This guy can't reach his shoes in the morning. Reach? Where's he going to reach? Well, here's a, here's a question about Chris Christie. He's done some reading about them. He knows that most people joke about people who believe in them. But he actually believes he himself has seen them on at least three occasions. What are they? You might guess UFOs. No, in Chris Christie's case, the answer is his feet. This guy's going to reach across the aisle. He can't reach up to comb his hair. This guy's not reaching anywhere. I mean, I just, you know, I, anyway, so what do they have to do? What do I advise them to do? Trump, be calm. Write it out. Let someone else catch a wave if they have to. Lay back a little bit. Ted Cruz, summon up your best. Remember, this is not the debate club, though it does require debating skills. So you have to be very, very good. But you don't win if you win a point by intellectually bludgeoning someone. Nobody likes Princeton men. The only Princeton man America has ever really loved was Jimmy Stewart. And you ain't him yet. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And tonight, the show is you, my partners, and including my dear friends and colleagues, Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe, on the Blaze After Dark. Bring your own silk PJs and adult beverage. Uh, We're here immediately upon the conclusion of the Junior G-Man Crumb Cruncher 6 p.m. Eastern debate. And our warm-up, and then immediately upon conclusion of the big boy pants debate, all uh, which starts at 8, I think, and probably finishes 10, 10.30, I don't know how long they'll let them go. Is it, is 8.30? It's, I'm, I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a report here that says 8 o'clock, but it'll be somewhere between 8 o'clock and 8.30. They don't want you to know because CNN wants you to tune in you know, whenever, but we'll be here at its conclusion and we'll have a lot to say. And we hope you will at one triple eight, nine hundred three, three, nine, three. Well, let's look at the players uh, for a moment. Uh, I think there are, aren't they the same as they were last debate? The big boy Pats is too crowded. There are people up on that stage that oughtn't be there, but I guess they have to do what they have to do. And CNN will do what they have to do to get us to watch. So if they think that more candidates or a certain mixture of candidates will get us to watch, that's what they'll do. So that's what they'll do. And who's up there is, of course, uh, Trump. 
and Cruz, and believe it or not, still Carson and Rubio, and by the hair of his chinny chin chin, Hebboosh, and Carly Fiorina, who I think made it, and um, maybe Huckabee. Wait, did Huckabee drop? Do you know I can't actually remember if Huckabee dropped? He must have, because I haven't seen him anywhere. He must have dropped. Boy, this is bad when I can't remember this. Huckabee dropped. Yeah, Huckabee dropped. Chris Christie, who should have dropped, didn't, but he'll drop soon, and you just don't want to be anywhere near that place when he does drop. I'll tell you that. Kasich. Oh, goodness. Talk about someone who should be out. Get out. Damn spot. Uh, he's still in. And Rand Paul made it by uh, the the uh, club for men hair on his chinny chin chin. And maybe I left someone out. I don't know. I don't care. And on the undercard, uh, we have, um, I think, Rick Santorum, lovely guy, uh, no chance of any kind. Uh, Jindal's out. Let me see. Pataki. No, Pataki can't still be in. He is, I think. He's still in there. I can't believe it. Uh, Linda Graham is still in there. And I, 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 can't, I can't think of anybody else. But it, again, it does it for the earlier debate. Does it really matter? Let's face it. The, I don't know. I suppose democracy requires some patience of us. And maybe people like Kasich and Christie and Bush need to be in until they've had a shot at what? The first two primaries? I don't know. You know, I, I don't make the rules. But I know I would, in this audience, would much more appreciate and enjoy a debate that involved, you know, the top five candidates and not just like spread it around. I mean, every time the camera is on John Kasich or Carly Fiorina, I'm saying, what? I haven't eaten dinner yet. You know, I could, I could really enjoy a drink. I don't, could I, you know, can I go see whether my kids need help with their homework? Invariably, I can't help because it's too advanced for me. But I'd like to, I'd like to try. You know, I like to make the gesture. But I'm here, uh, I'm here listening to John Kasich. I, uh, all right. So what? What do what do those players n- need to do? Trying to be honest about it. Um, I've told you that I think Trump needs to just try and come out of this not worse than he is right now. I I believe. Don't forget. There's a bubble that's been waiting to burst. William F. Buckley, during my childhood, said and set the standard for my lifetime that his physics of voting were as follows. I will vote for the most conservative candidate who can win. Now, everybody cheats to either side of that equation a little bit so that they can vote for the person they want. Everybody cheats. I worked twice for Pat Buchanan. I knew Pat Buchanan wasn't going to win the presidency. Pat Buchanan knew he wasn't going to win the presidency. I knew that I was 
causing havoc within the Republican Party, which in which I had made my livelihood. I didn't pay them back very well, unless, of course, you actually believe that you're doing it for a reason, and the reason is to elect the best man with the best policies, best for the country. And I did, and do to this day. And I'm so proud of having represented Pat Buchanan. But everybody cheats a little bit to fulfill their own satisfaction levels when it comes to the most conservative candidate who can win. Okay? The one bubble that's been waiting to pop here for a lot of these candidates is that people are so angry, never, ever, ever in my lifetime, and I don't know if I ever mentioned this, I was the founder of my sixth grade civics club and newspaper, uh, a primary school-wide newspaper and civics club. B, did I ever mention that before? That you recall? Good, good. I'm glad I mentioned it now then. Uh, and, And ever since then, and before then, because in order to do that, I already had to be read in, if you will. So, I mean, I've been a geek all my life, a civic circus maximus geek. I've never seen Americans this angry. I love it. I love it. It's about time, dudes. It's a good thing we're angry. We have a lot about which to be angry. I hope we're very angry. I don't know if you've noticed. I suspect you have, which is why you're angry. But can you see how badly we are screwed? Can you see what's happening to us as a country? You see us getting kicked around everywhere, every one of us. This is not the America in which we were born. Where am I living? Honduras? I mean, and I, not to pick on Honduras, uh, it does happen to lead the murder rate of the world, but I think an American city is close. I know Phoenix, Arizona is the number one or two uh, kidnap capital in the world. Do you know that's true? This is not the America I was born into. This is not the America I want for my cha- my children, my family. Something very wrong is going on here. I'm very angry. I hope a lot of people are angry. Angry can be good. I think it's good now. Be angry. I'm begging you. Be angry. So what do you want if you're angry? You want the most conservative candidate who can win. Well, who is that? The bubble that's been waiting to be burst is that factor. Voters who are going to vote in Republican primaries have been concentrating only on the second part of that equation. They've been concentrating on who can win. Or maybe even they're more guilty of something. Maybe they've been concentrating only on whom do I like? Who speaks to my heart more? than anybody else who speaks to my political soul more than any my civic soul there's been a lot of that going on i'm not saying it's a bad thing but obviously we can't disregard the prospects of someone's being able to win right to defeat the enemy neither can we ignore whether the person that can win will end up representing our values the hell does it matter if we win if we elect Hubert Humphrey? I mean, you know, I mean, 
if 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 we if if you if you if you elect Chris Christie, what does it matter that there was an election? I mean, you know, so the most conservative candidate who can win. Well, no one's concentrated on the first part, the most conservative candidate. And that bubble is waiting to burst. And the trouble for and the origin of my advice for Donald Trump tonight is try to get through this without revealing yourself as being a dope. Because when it comes to conservative politics, Donald Trump is a dope. Now, he may be a dope that comes down in the same place I do, which means maybe he's okay. But you see, I have a lot more confidence in someone who comes down on my side for reasons they can articulate rather than it like being a game of roulette. And, and I, you know, and, and let's face it, Donald Trump is not a big C conservative. And while we're facing things, let's face that Donald Trump isn't even a small C conservative. Donald Trump is a, by total, the only C uh, in, in the alphabet when it comes to Donald Trump and conservatism is he is coincidentally a conservative. And I think he coincidentally is, but only coincidentally. The real conservative in the race as those who know about such things know, is Ted Cruz. Thus has it always been. Ted Cruz is the real conservative. Now, of course, that reflects on the other side of the sentence. Who can win? Can a real conservative beat Hillary Clinton? I don't know. I think the media fears Trump but hates Cruz. They hate Cruz because they know who he is. He is a big C conservative. He is the real deal, is Ted Cruz. You have to go back to the founding fathers to get a real deal conservative who's made it this close in electoral politics. Ted Cruz is the real deal. But because he's the real deal, the media is going to assassinate him, politically speaking. And, and so is everybody else. So can he beat Hillary? Well, we can't answer that in this break. But that's the question. And the, me, the minute we start considering that, it, it, we bounce off it like the bouncy castle the kids go to at birthday parties. And we come back to, okay, well, if we need to win, should we get someone who's less conservative? Well, bingo. Then you got Rubio, who is for amnesty for illegal aliens, who led the fight for amnesty for illegal aliens. Is that really what you want? I mean, you, you, you want to win that badly that you want to put a progressive in there? I don't. Then you've got the people who are just prima facie unacceptable, like uh, Chris Christie and Heb Bush and, and others. I mean, this really comes down to, doesn't it? Please, God, doesn't this come down to Trump and Cruz and Carson and Rubio and... Uh, you know, I, I think Rubio is going to hang in there because Rubio is quickly becoming the favorite of the media. See, the media has to pretend that they find acceptable at least one Republican. And right now, the one Republican 
bear me out on this. Hear me on this. Guru Jay, say, remember what I say on the night of the great last election of 2015. Rubio is becoming the favorite of the New York Times at all because they can't they can't stomach the idea of of Trump. They can't begin to tolerate the idea of Cruz. But Rubio, man. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Okay, partners, I'm back immediately at the conclusion of the little boy debate, which starts at 6, the blaze after dark with Doc and Skip. Then we'll watch the big boy pants debate, so-called. Then we'll be back with you again, blaze after dark, immediately upon that conclusion. As for the early debate, I don't know what to tell you. I honestly am at a loss. I just think that a few of them ought to get going a Tupperware concession business as quickly as possible. Because I just don't see anything else in their immediate uh, future. Uh, as for the big boy debate, we'll have a chance to discuss that. But here's the bottom line. I think it's a three-dimensional boxing match. Trump needs to get in there and get out without loss of blood or internal organs as much as possible. Cruz needs to attack Rubio, maybe Trump, and Rubio needs to make a decision. Is he going to attack Trump? Or is Rubio going to attack Cruz? Uh, he has to choose. Is he going to go for the brass ring? Or is he going to just try to step up one place in weight? My guess is that Rubio, and I, I, have, uh, I reserve the right to change this when we next speak. But I think Rubio may go after Cruz, and everyone else may go after Cruz, and that Trump's going to just try to survive. Join us! Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.